this week on Invasion of the Podcast, Black Panther is making Wakanda levels of money. We emptied our wallets at Wizard World Cleveland. And it's time for a DC-themed mixtape challenge. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the realm of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. I'm Paul, and as always... Steve. Steve. I, I, I don't know what I was going to say. And you, Steve. I don't know what to do. I, <laughs> and this guy. And this guy. So um, I, I know you guys recently heard us uh, roughly about a week ago talking about uh, the burning and uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, we've been off for two weeks, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that brief little um, year of the knockoff talk. We had fun talking about the movie. Uh, you know, the sexual weirdness of the burning troubles me but uh, you know i don't regret watching the film um <laughs> i don't know what they'll say about it go back and listen it was weird yeah i mean i had more fun talking about it than i did watching it so <laughs> that's fair so um but yeah so i hope you guys en- enjoyed that comparison talk uh we have we have more coming up soon um and i'll mention the blog later so if you guys are enjoying the year of the knockoff please let us know if there's things that you'd like us to watch um yeah we'll be up for it so anyway so two weeks off i I had vacation time that I was supposed to go someplace that didn't work out. So I stayed home and I, Steve was witness to this. Um, when we recorded that night, when we did the burning and the, pre- the previous episode, I, instead of taking two weeks and just relaxing and unwinding and just doing nothing, I pitched the idea to my wife that we should make costumes for wizard world. And she got excited. And then I didn't realize the undertaking that I was about to <laughs> behold. So I needed a lot of that time, that two weeks to get this done. So we'll, we'll talk more about that. It's just that I'm really, really, really good at finding ways to occupy my time without realizing how pressed I have to be, even on my time off. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so did I, I know you were also off for two weeks. Did like any, any exciting things other than I know we're talking about Wizard World. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think. I mean, I caught up on some movies. Um, I, I'm trying to think if we did anything actually. And I, I feel like, uh, I should have had more prepared for this, but no, (laughs) we, we, uh, I'm like, what the hell did I do over the last two weeks? Nothing really. Um, yeah, uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty relaxed for, for the two weeks. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything really that uh, stuck out, but unfortunately not. I mean, what part of it we're going to talk about on the show today, so I guess that's... Yeah, the only the only um, vacation-y thing that I took advantage of was the the Tuesday after um, Martin Luther King Day, because that was a federal holiday, so some people were still out like you know, for school and business, and I really wanted to go see Black Panther because it came out that weekend, but I waited to the Tuesday to go watch it because I knew most people would be back in school and at work, so I went to like the 11 o'clock show. Nice. On the Tuesday. So, because I love movies, I love theaters. I generally despise everybody in the theater but me watching movies. <laughs> so, I wanted to try to give myself the best case scenario to watch that film. So, if you see Paul at the theater, you'll just know that he secretly despises you for the next two hours. Well, you know, it, okay, we're, we're cool if, you know, it, 
if you don't have to talk every five seconds to the person beside you, if you use an inside voice when you do talk, um, and also, you know, unless you're a surgeon on call, which I don't know why you'd be at a movie theater anyway, you don't have to have your phone out every few minutes. I don't understand that. Like, I, I turn my phone completely off whenever I'm watching a film. That's my biggest gripe. Um, if I see somebody, like, on their phone... As soon as the movie starts, like I, my annoyance level goes up to a thousand. Like I'm fine if you're looking at it through the trailers because I do that too sometimes. Not through the trailers. I'm sorry. When before the trailers, um, but like once the lights go down, just put your phone away. Yeah, like I the, during all like the, the whole like you know here's the puzzle. It, this movie had a clown in it, and its letters are T and I. Like like that stuff. Whatever. Like you know, figure out what that movie is. Like I'm fine. Look at your phone. If you need to figure out the movie is it, then maybe you need maybe look at your phone. I don't know, but. I, I get like fine. That's you're settling down. It's fine. It's fine. But like when previews start, I think that's kind of. I think for me, that's kind of the assumption of like, all right, we're in, you know. And especially going to the Cleveland Cinema stuff, they have specifically before they get to the previews, they show like all the things that you don't do in a theater. And one right. of them is they have this girl with the cell phone or tablet that's like six times the size of her turning it off in the little thing. And it's like, I I don't know. Like I. I said this before, I, I would pay like three additional dollars per movie ticket for the guarantee of like a movie bouncer coming in and removing people if they did that. Like I would absolutely pay a little bit more to go to a movie if there was like someone watching for etiquette. Well, do you remember like, I, f- I feel like it was just last year, there was a story that some theaters were thinking about having screenings of films where like the theater was specifically like um, denoted as being like cell phone friendly. Like, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who is paying money to, to be like, I'm going to sit in the cell phone friendly theater. Cause that would annoy the piss out of me. Well, there's also ones too. that are thinking about like finding ways to be like, this is more kid friendly. I'm like, thank you for letting me know. I will be nowhere near that screening and the one beside it, you know, like right. just not that I'm saying that you can't bring kids to the theater. Like I, my father took me to go see, um, all, 2010 in the theater like when it when it was in the theater i think i was like eight mm-hmm. i didn't understand a damn thing going on but my dad wanted to go watch the movie so i was quiet the entire time you know like i i don't know i just i, I guess get off my lawn or get out of my theater but i i think movies in the theater even though people might say it's antiquated because we have technology and we have bigger screens and we have all this stuff at home there's something for me. I like that transportation of going to a destination, going to this room with this big screen and just experiencing. And I don't understand why that doesn't seem to be apparent to other people that pay the same amount of money as I do to go and then just dick around the theater. I don't understand that. Right. Or they feel that because they're there, they have the right to talk really loud to their girlfriend about alien covenant while we're watching alien covenant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've mentioned before on the show that I'm a big fan of the theater experience. Um, and even if it's a bad theater experience, I I don't know what it would take to get me to stop going to the movie theaters. Um, but, <laughs> That's uh, fair. I still go. Yeah, I still go. But, you know, I will say that it has been nicer with the, um, particularly the stadium seating and uh, the assigned seating. Uh, the Crocker Park uh, Regal um, has that for, I think, pretty much all of its theaters now. Um, so it does tend to cut down because you've got a little bit more room around you and you can like lay back a little bit. And, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never quite understood that... Uh, that feeling of going to the theater and being like, okay, now it's time to look at my phone and be loud and annoy people. So Yeah. So anyway, enough about that. Well, we're going to talk about Black Panther here in a second. Um, 
You know what? No, let's just get to that because I have. I, I was going to mention other stuff. Actually, one thing I'll mention. One thing because I'm I'm all discombobulated. It's been two weeks. Uh, the McDonald's, the, the McDonald's, they released the Szechuan sauce that everybody was so wanting uh, because when they tried releasing it like in October last year, they only released like six packets like across the country or whatever, <laughs> and people lost their minds because they got to have that sauce from that cartoon, um, Mulan, not Rick and Morty because that's what it was a part of, right? So. Like the day it came out, like um, I saw my friends, some of my friends on Facebook posting pictures of the the Szechuan sauce, and I was like, "Well, I'm out, I'm out of work. Let me just go grab some. Like, I'll be, it'll be easy. I'm on vacation." Right. My wife and I, we went uh, to a McDonald's, and, and this this is maddening. I we're in line. It's like lunch, like at the drive through, and I was like, "They're like, how can I help you?" I was like, "Do you have the Szechuan sauce?" <laughs> and the girl's like, "What?" I'm like, "Do you have the Szechuan dipping sauce?" She's like what like i'm not mispronouncing the word and this has been published all over media the mcdonald's is bringing this back and i i said the third time i'm looking for the szechuan dipping sauce and like mary was like saying you know the nugget dipping sauce like she was like we're yelling at the speaker at mcdonald's it isn't like i went to burger king and asked for the stuff by accident we're at mcdonald's and then like she's like one second we don't have that. Like, really? Like, that, it took you that long to determine <laughs> what I was asking for and to say that we didn't have it. So instead of being the responsible, like, you know what? You can't have your nugget dipping sauce, Paul. Like, you, you just pick something else. I got mad. just drove out of the line. I just left. I was like, I'm not ordering anything. I'm done. I'm done with this McDonald's. I just left. Like, <laughs> I just left the drive through line. I don't know if the person behind me was like, man, that guy in that orange car was pissed off. But, <laughs> but, so eventually you found it. But it was like, it was so maddening to me. It's like, you're working at the place that got backlash months ago because you didn't have it. I'm sure you know what this is. Yeah. And I'm not mispronouncing it, you know? This isn't like I said, it wasn't like I was like, you got that Rick and Morty sauce? Like, I didn't ask that. Anyway, eventually got it. It was okay. It's a McDonald's dipping sauce. Wait, I don't you know. ate it? Yeah, I had it. I had it eventually. Oh, man. I think yeah. you're supposed to save it and like, keep it in the package. And... We have two. So oh, if people okay. want to put bids in, I, I know a guy. It's me that has it. Um, but yeah, it was just I'm like, really? It's like, I don't know. They make me want to talk about like, yeah, get, let me get that girl's chill, grilled stuffed burrito. What? You know, the girl's stuffed burrito. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, anyway. So let's just get to news. That was not newsworthy, but well, Black Black Panther's newsworthy, so we'll do that. Good news, everyone. So uh, the story I pulled up here is from a week ago, so I'm sure the numbers are way off. But Black Panther's doing pretty well at the box office. I've heard. Yeah. And considering what's opening this weekend, it's probably going to still do pretty well. Yeah. Because uh, a, a Wrinkle in Time's not getting the best write-up. So I'm sure people are going to be like, Disney's like, well, we had one. Let's just everybody go Black Panther again. That's fine. Um, and then, so what other competitions out there? But anyway, it's on pace right now, and it may have even beaten this since the week that this story came out. It was the third third highest grossing Marvel film behind Age of Ultron and Avengers. That is crazy. Like it's great. But I don't think anybody was expecting this to be as like they like it was tr- trending well for its pre-sales, right? It had like the highest number of pre-sale tickets. It did well at the opening weekend, but it keeps making more and more money. You right. know? So I mean, like I of all of all the phase three movies, was this the one that you thought would be the one that was going to be like, I don't know, the one that was going to make the most? I don't know. I, I just, it's, you know, it's a standalone movie for a character introduced in a previous film that, you know, had a good foundation. And we talked about that previously, but I don't think Disney even saw this coming. You know? Yeah. 
I think there are a couple of things working in its favor. One, obviously, it's, you know, we've had 15 Marvel movies and, uh, you know, not one has focused on a character of, you know, African descent or uh, of color. Um, So that's certainly, you know, and absolutely it was needed and hopefully we see more and i think we will now after this movie yeah um so it did have that working in its favor but i think also what the movie does is is it does the one thing that i think marvel movies do really well is that it gave you something just a little bit different than the other marvel movies you've seen you know guardians of the galaxy and captain america are still in the same universe but they're different movies they're they bring different things to the table black panther is the same way in that it gives you this great story and it introduces you to um an entire world that you didn't know existed in the marvel universe and just ups the game you know i mean i think guardians is the closest comparison that i can make to like them taking a concept and being like well if you love this Wait till you see this. Yeah, and that's like fair. really blowing it out of the water because they, the movie does a lot. I mean, I can't. There isn't really much that I can criticize of the film. I mean, it really does, you know, everything well. The only criticism that I can give it, and this isn't even mine. I didn't even really think about this until um, Mark Bernardin, who co-hosts uh, Fat Man on Batman with Kevin Smith, mentioned that like uh, the one thing that he felt was lacking in Black Panther was is that everything around Black Panther is so awesome that he sort of suffers in comparison, <laughs> uh, which is kind of true because there's there's not, there's not a weak performance in the movie. There's not a weak character. The story's strong. You've got a fantastic villain. You've got, um, you know, kick-ass characters all around him. So it, it that's the only thing that I can honestly say might have been lacking in the movie. But it's such a small criticism that, like... That's, I, a, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a good yeah. problem to have. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I I would say that, yeah, they may not have known it was going to do this well, but they've got a pretty good track record. And, like, at this point, like, Marvel could just be like, all right, here you go. It's a movie about a talking fork. And you'd be like, I'm in because you've, you've, you've made, like, 18 movies so far that I loved. So And the, and the fork's, like, played by Liam Neeson or something. Right. Got, like, you know, perfect <laughs> casting for a fork. I, I don't know who you'd cast for a fork, but, you know, um, yeah. I just, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, um I'm trying to think like what what's my least favorite of the Marvel films, and I feel like that's that's a more interesting discussion because um, you know looking in hindsight, which are the ones that you don't really want to you don't come not don't want to come back to, but like what are the ones people consider are the weaker ones that still did pretty well. Like I know people were worried that Ant Man wasn't going to do strong enough, and that might be the first flop, and it actually did pretty well for yeah. for what it was. Um, and I like Ant Man a great deal. It's not a perfect film, but I, I like it a lot. Um, and like I'm thinking, maybe like Thor: The Dark World and like Iron Man Two are like the ones people kind of Age of Ultron even people kind of look back on kind of negatively, but those are still all pretty good movies. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at them as a whole, for me, yeah, it's it's Iron Man Two is my least favorite. But if Iron Man Two is like your weak film of a series, like that's still doing pretty well. <laughs> Warner Brothers is hoping for an Iron Man Two level yeah. film. <laughs> that's well, which is a bummer, you know. <laughs> other than I mean, like under the other than Wonder Woman, which was yeah. Great. yeah. But yeah, I mean, they can't really. They have to like mess up like a ridiculous amount at this point for me to lose faith in them. Like even if if Infinity War comes out and it's not great, and Ant Man and the Wasp comes out and it's not great. I know there's probably like 30 more movies down the pipe that are coming that are probably going to be, you know, fantastic. So, 
I mean, and also think about that too. Like you got Infinity War coming in less than two months, right? And that's the one that like everybody has been looking towards since the end of the first Avengers film because you saw Thanos, right? Yeah. So you just knew this was coming. And that's been what, like five, six years in the making at least. Maybe, maybe less than that. I don't recall. Um, but yeah, Black Panther that's doing so right, well right now. Like if Infinity War doesn't hit like its target, everyone's going to be like, it's a failure. I'm like, well... I, it's going to be a weird thing to compare the yeah. standalone film versus the one that has like everybody in it. But I think because it's going to have Black Panther in it and Wakanda, I think people are just, it's going to, people are going to run towards that just like they did um, Civil War, how that performed at the high level of like an Avengers film versus like Captain America itself. Yeah. People kind of viewed it as like Avengers 2.5. Um, it's just, it's these, these movies are making money hand over fist. And I've said this before. I was worried when Marvel was bought by Disney that they were going to handle this well. And they seem to have just keep picking generally the right people for the right things. Maybe not so much on the TV side at times, but the movie side, they seem to be doing really well almost every single time. Yeah. And I mean, that's something else that I'll mention too about black Panther is that, uh, you know, and I guess, again, this goes to Marvel's credit as well, because you do get different flavor from different directors. But I will say that this is probably one of the most beautifully shot movies uh, of the Marvel canon, like, of their films. Like, mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to categorize, because it's like, ah, James Gunn does his own thing, and it works great, but it's still a Marvel movie. You know, Civil War, the Rooster Brothers, Winter Soldier, like, they have their own visual look. They do action really well. You know, Ryan Coogler comes along, and he's got this very lush, beautiful... Um, background and just like the afterlife sequences too are wonderful this it's it's yeah and and did you know um that in the and i guess this is spoilers so i'm say this do you know why they are called spoilers if you guys haven't seen the movie which i don't know why you haven't but if you haven't go watch it right now it's it's awesome and i can you could even watch it without watching any other marvel film there's a little bit of stuff in there that you know, if you knew it, you knew it. If you didn't, it wouldn't affect you watching this film whatsoever. You know, no. Claw's an asshole. You know him. Uh, Everett Ross. You you get to know him through the course of the movie. Like you don't need to know them previously. You know them there, right? Right. And then like and then after credit sequence stuff, it doesn't matter to you because you got the whole Black Panther experience. You don't need the rest of that. So if you've not watched it because you don't know the rest of the films, you don't need to. It's a good standalone movie. With that being said, I really I did not know this at the beginning when they do the 1990 uh, flashback to Oakland um, and the Panthers, uh, you know, confronting somebody. I didn't know that actor was the son of the guy that played Tochaka as the father. I didn't know that either. It's yeah. his son, and it's like because I was like, wow. There's a there's a resemblance there. It's because it's his actual son. I thought that was badass. I thought that was really really. It's like it's one of those things where it makes. It's like oh well, that makes sense. That's an easy way to do that as opposed to not easy, but it may as opposed to like de aging somebody with computers. Like oh, we have his son that looks a lot like him. Right. I don't know if you saw Straight Outta Compton, but Ice Cube's son plays him in that movie. He I haven't seen that, but he, like yeah. Him. I, um, was it O'Shea? What's yeah. It, um, yeah. C- Curtis O'Shea. That's not right. But yeah. Um, yeah. I seen. I've seen still. Uh, yeah. He looks like his dad exactly like his dad. Um, but yeah, I thought that was cool. There's just, there's a lot of, there's just Black Panther's, a, it's a good movie. Like, I liked it a great deal. For a lot of my friends, it's like one of their favorite, of the favorite Marvel films, which that's great. I'm, I'm super happy about that. It's not my, it's not like, it's probably not in my top five. And that's just me. Like, I'm not saying that's bad. It's good to have a crowded, like, everything at the top. I still feel like Guardians to me is because it's like, Star Lord is this, like, 
idiot man child from the eighties. And guess what? I kind of identify with that, you know? So it's, it's that too. And it's, and it's space. That's always going to be my favorite, favorite type of film. Right. So I, I feel like those are the ones that I'm always going to run back to, but I'm buying black Panther day when it comes out and it's great. And the, 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 the album that came out aside from the movie is amazing. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I to be perfectly honest, I didn't even think about where I would rank it. Um, yeah. Because it's at kind of at the point where I'm like, I don't even know that I want to rank That's fair. the Marvel movies just because like they're all so good. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I don't mean to make it sound like I'm a Marvel fanboy, you know, because everybody knows that I grew up. You know, everybody knows, but you know, <laughs> everybody <laughs> I grew knows now. up reading DC. Like at heart, I'm a DC guy, and like, you know, but again, like I was saying, like they just keep knocking them out of the park, and it's like. Okay, what this one's a nine point five. This one's a nine point four. Yeah. Like it's it's really hard. I I kind of stopped ranking them. That's yeah. fair. I it's I the one the one that I keep watching over other than Guardians one and two just because I really like those. Winter Soldier is the one that I'll keep watching over and over again because that movie. I just I don't know. It's the it's still a fun movie with like funny bits in it, but it, it it's a different world. Well, that that elevator scene is still I think one of my favorite scenes of any comic yeah. book movie. Um. But you know, well, especially it's, the tension building where Rogers knows something's going on with all the guys getting on. Yeah, and he's just watching like it's, as it's like as everybody's like like was well, either they're going up or going down. But it's like more and more beefier dudes keep showing up on this elevator. And it's one of those things where there's so many great movies that they've put out where I'll pop something in with like uh, you know Iron Man three, which I haven't seen in a while, and I'll watch it. And I'm like. God, this is really great, and I forgot that Shane Black Black really knocked this one out of the park. I know a lot of people didn't like the the reveal of the Mandarin, which I loved, but like, uh, I think that's you know like that's probably one that maybe people don't love as much, and it's still like a you know it's, yeah it's a grand slam. Oh, I'm yeah. talking baseball tonight, folks. <laughs> but yeah, Black Panther's great, and uh, it deserves everything, and I love. I love the the ripples that have been going through everything. Like you, like you probably saw the Jimmy Fallon thing where he had you know people coming in and they had the poster for the movie and they're they're talking about like how it was important to them. And then they had um, a Bozeman like behind the, yeah. the the poster. He come out and talk to them and they're just like in tears. It's like and he and he is so appreciative and grateful. And it's it's wonderful. And then walking around Walmart, and all I'm seeing is like toy sets that are the Black Black Panther mask, and then the claws that come out of the hands. It's like it's so great. Like I never thought I'd be in a world walking around where there's more Black Panther merchandise than there is like anything else toy wise right now. That's yeah. really cool, you know. Like I just it's it's great. Like and uh, you know I haven't seen a lot of Kugler's work I haven't seen Fruitvale Station which I heard is fantastic I have however seen Creed um, if you're a Rocky fan even if you're not a Rocky fan I would highly recommend Creed as well I st- I, I'm shameful I've not watched it yet and I love Creed's a really yeah. good movie so and I was just I was bringing that up because he turned down Creed 2 in order to do Black Panther um, so I'm I'm honestly hoping that they get a deal for him similar to like James Gunn where they're like can you do three Black Panthers for us you know that kind of thing so <laughs> it'd be silly to, to say no you know yeah. like I, I guess it's like those are undertakings and you have to consider like what you want to do next right but I feel like James Gunn is like like as long as Marvel keeps giving him opportunities to get weird, he's going to stay with them. And I think that's wonderful. You know, like he, I, and, and I know, um, the Russos, like I know they're done after infinity war. They're going to go back to TV for a bit, but 
you know the door's always going to be open for them to do what they want. You yeah. know, and that's cool. And so Coogler, I, I also think these movies that like once they get the tin pole that makes a ton of money, then it gives them the chance to go to do that other thing they want to do. You know, so yeah, Black Panther's great and it's fun. It's funny. Uh, it has a. Uh, um, battle rhinos i mean i don't know how much more <laughs> like it's it's cool and killmonger is a really interesting um I, he is a villain but i mean you know like i also thought claw the way they used him too was great like i just it's you know it, this movie could have been trying to do too much and it picked and it picked and choose the right times to end certain things in the movie and move on to the next thing and i really really dug that yeah, and I mean, for a movie that is, you know, sandwiched between, you know, it's sandwiched between Civil War and Infinity War, it's, you know, it didn't, how do I put this? So the DC movies, and again, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to bag on the DC movies, but they seem like they felt like they had to shove as much into each of their movies as they possibly could to try and connect them. Black Panther didn't do that at all. Like, I think that was the amazing thing. It let it be its own movie. Like, they could have easily made this, like, Infinity War part, you know, five point five. you know? Like, yeah. they could have been like, well, this is the movie that leads into the next movie. But they didn't, and it worked well. Um, so I, I give them kudos, which I don't give off or give out very often. But uh, <laughs> I feel like Age of Ultron was the the height of them setting up like yeah. multiple threads, and I think that kind of fell apart, and it broke Joss Whedon like, yeah. to where he didn't want to come back. You know, so I think maybe they learned, they learned their lesson mm-hmm. a little bit with that. Um, but like, think of, you mentioned Civil War, then Infinity War. Like honestly, the movie that came before this was Thor Ragnarok, which is goofy space space opera like he-man on like you know goofy yeah. goofy movie and then you get black panther which still has some humor but it's like badass and then you get infinity war like it's just marvel has a wide spectrum now of highly entertaining movies for different reasons and i know i'm a marvel honk and you guys can accuse me of this and and i didn't even talk about spider-man homecoming i love that movie and it's and it's it's in the world but yeah also kind of its own thing too you know like yeah, you could I have watched it. that well it had iron man in it but whatever. i mean homecoming was my favorite comic book movie of last year but uh i the only last thing i'll say about uh, black panther uh and it's something that i thought about when I walked out of the theater was is that uh, his sister Shuri steals the, the show mm-hmm. but I also desperately want a conversation between her and Tony Stark to happen in the future like I want to see him realizing well I should say realizing but like him seeing her tech and her seeing his and just the conversation that those two would have I think would be fascinating like the, I want those two characters to play off of each other now I also like that they pulled off the Flash costume ring way better than probably the Flash ever will <laughs> Yeah. With the sense of like, oh no, no, this tech is awesome and it's gonna it's gonna hide in this really cool like Panther Claw necklace that you can wear, and then the suit can come out of it because it's it's technology. And I'm like, yeah, the flash would go about being like, Well, we shrank your suit and put it in this ring, and it just works. Just trust us. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um so yeah, Black Panther, yeah, it's great. So um and and again, I know we did a show uh, a couple shows ago talking about the character and kind of doing some some reading about it. And I think I, I really appreciated this film more after kind of digging in. So yeah, um, so yeah, good good movie. But again, if you guys have not seen it or have not watched the more recent Marvel films, you can watch it by itself, and it's still it's still good and it's badass and it's great. So enough enough about Black Panther. I'm sure we'll talk more about it when we get to Infinity War. Speaking of which, you see that screenshot they released the still of everybody standing on the front line with the Winter Soldier and Captain America. No, um, here I'm going to try to find that right now. It's uh. 
We're going to Google this live, so we'll see what happens. Is this a um, poster image, or when you say screen grab, is it, it like uh, a promotional image? Uh, it's a promotional image that they put out. Remember lobby cards? I miss lobby cards. There it is. Yeah, let's see here. Um, where'd it go? Oh, boy. Oh, there's a YouTube video because there's like some sort of circle with an arrow pointing. Yeah, I don't care about that. But just look, <laughs> look at his. You see them standing on the line. You got Black Panther, and then you got uh, Steve Rogers with the with the awesome beard. But he's wearing the Captain America outfit. But the the star has either been ripped or just like blacked out. Yeah, and it's like and his suit's just like just beat to hell. Like that is intimidating as all get out like there's a story there you yeah. know like and i'm excited yeah so i thought that was kind of cool uh because they released a, another, a bigger image this is from total film it looks like and there's you got a uh, got bucky off at the side you know forget about him you know yeah. like <laughs> but yeah it's cool looking yeah I, I cannot wait for infinity war and it's so. funny uh i don't remember her character name from black panther but she's michonne on uh on Walking Dead, like she's one of the best things on The Walking Dead, um, and then she gets to play like this awesome. Uh, I guess they're bodyguards of the Black Panther. They are. They're like the, the the royal guard. I forget yeah. that there's a name for them, and I feel bad because there was two two main female leads, and she she was one of them. The other one, I forget remember her name. And this is I feel bad because I had a hard time sometimes. Because when the action was all happening, because yeah. you know they're wearing these like the distinct Wakandan armor, but they also have shaved heads, and it's like it's it was hard to sometimes tell who was who, but all of them were badass, and I loved it. Yeah, know? yeah. I was just gonna say that actress, man, like she's uh, she's great on The Walking Dead. She's great in Black Panther, and like it's awesome that like it's rare that you get to be like two characters in you know two franchises that are. Uh, so close together so yeah uh, it's awesome so all right so other other news we'll get to here um pretty quickly even though they're kind of big <laughs> big uh big topics one i just want to mention here because we have to have some star wars talk because you know it's invasion of the podcast uh there's a report that uh ryan johnson threw out jj abrams entire last jedi outline and it says throughout all in capital letters as steve pointed out when i brought up the story yes that according to daisy ridley at the time that uh, when they were making this abrams had uh all the new star wars kind of sketched out and then when ryan johnson got involved um during the production of seven he just took like uh, abrams like storyline and threw it out and started over from scratch which that doesn't surprise anybody that doesn't surprise you after watching the last jedi no no i mean it certainly doesn't feel like there was a plan in place and i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean that like it doesn't connect in the way that i would imagine an outline would so so with that being said though like do you appreciate that the powers that be at lucasfilm and disney were going to let the director make their own film as opposed to saying nope we already have everything sketched out you're either with us or against us you know, you could walk if you don't like it. Like, do you like that they're taking the chance of letting the person that they're choosing that has done smart sci-fi and smart storytelling to to present their own take on Star Wars? Well, it would it would be um, hypocritical of me to say like, oh, they should have used, you know, um, Ron Howard, J.J. <laughs> <laughs> J. Abrams, oh. uh, you know, his. His uh, outline simply because of the fact that, A, I don't know what that outline was, and B, uh, you know, they also threw out another writer's outline for the future, for the, the sequel trilogy by the name, a little guy named uh, George Lucas. So, like, 
you know, I can't say that like, oh, they shouldn't have done that or it was a bad idea. And I, I certainly appreciate that they're giving whoever works on these properties their own, um, you know, the, 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 their own, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Well, uh, unless you're Colin Trevorrow or, um, well, you know. I was going to bring that up. There was a story that came out last week that says that, and it's speculation, but there was a um, story that, uh, you know, the reason that uh, Trevorrow and uh, Disney, or at least Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm, had trouble was that he wanted Luke to survive through The Last Jedi because he had a big plan for him in Nine. And they sort of were like, well, we don't care. We're killing him off. Um, and they, there was a clip that uh, of a interview that Hamill gave a while ago where he talked to... Uh, Trevor and he talks about oh I love what he's gotten planned for Luke now granted that might be just you know Mark Hamill talking back then you know throwing people off the scent that's certainly a possibility but I do find it interesting that you know if that is the case then you know the whole well, artistic license for each director like seems to have some limits and certainly mm-hmm. it happened with the two gentlemen who were directing Han Solo because they let them go so far, and then they're like, yeah, you've gone too far. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, Yeah, I, I, maybe maybe Ryan Johnson, like when you talk to him, maybe if you get in the same room with him and, 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 and kind of read how he feels about a project, maybe that's where the trust comes. I don't know. Like maybe he was able to still show people his love of what came before but was like, but I have ideas. You know, I think maybe there, I think there's a difference there between the, but instead of coming in and being like, oh, that's your outline and just like pushing it off the table slowly, be like a cat, like I'm done. All right, now that's out of the way. I have ideas. I think, I think he was being respectful, but also wanted the opportunity to tell his own story. Right. You know, so. And yeah, I'm not begging on him for doing that. I, I was just saying that, you know, there seems to be a line somewhere and who knows what that line actually is, you know, because. I don't know what happened with Josh Trank, if it really was the fact that he had a little bit of a meltdown in the Fantastic Four. Uh, you mean staying in a tent and, and directing from a tent? Right. Like? Um, <laughs> uh, versus, you know, um, what happened with Gareth Edwards and Rogue One, where, you know, they did the reshoots and, and a lot of the film was reworked. So, you know, I don't know wh- where that line is. So it's it's sort of a... It's an interesting idea that certain people do seem to have a little bit more, um, I don't want to say leg room, but a little bit more room to play with what they have versus, you know, at what point Disney steps in or Lucasfilm steps in and says, hey, we're going to write this, you know, write the the, the um, well, um, direction. Yeah, and the fact that they, they're giving him his own trilogy, that's, you know, again, yeah. that's, we'll see. We'll see once Nine comes out and you have a better idea of the three films, I guess I guess the the last Jedi will be one of those things that it the conversation is only going to get more interesting the longer it's out. I think that's because I, I mean I know we talked a lot about it on the show already and it, and it is kind of divisive. Um, but no, I, no <laughs> but I feel like once you can see how it fits in place or if it ever fits in place, you know, then that will be. I think that'll be a better. And also, this is the reason people love Star Wars is because you can have arguments like this. Like yeah. you know, honestly, because. You and I can have very much different opinions about Star Wars and then be like, well, fine, I don't agree with you. And then, but then still be, unless you're that person that gets upset that like that your fantasy opinions are different than others. And then you get angry, you get real angry about fantasy opinions. Um, I think you can have a heated discussion, a passionate discussion and still remain civil. 
and have fun having that talk. Yeah. Um, so I, I and, don't know. And whatever, you know, Abram's original, you know, whatever his draft was or outline was, it certainly would have to change anyway, simply because Carrie Fisher had passed. So That's I'm sure he's yeah. probably thrown out that outline, you know, at this point, you know, um, that that's fair. Yeah, I don't know what's what they're gonna do. I just it would just be funny where it's like, nope, we're putting Kylo back in the helmet. We're doing all like just like it's just like a just a reverse of like, oh no no no, Snoke's not dead. He has a mechanical body underneath, just like Darth Maul in the cartoons. It's fine. We'll figure it out. You know? Well, the the first shot is actually gonna be the last shot of the movie with Luke uh, dissipating into the wind. And then, like thirty seconds later, he's gonna like suddenly reappear, and he's gonna be like, "Oh, that was close." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whew. I'm glad I got that. Out of a, that was weird. You know, yeah. I can't believe I almost died. Yeah. I'm back. Wink, wink. wink. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Last story here. It's actually two stories. I uh, just these things happened. It's a two for one, folks. While we're away, and I just they're just they're too entertaining to not mention them. Uh, one, I guess we'll go. F- We'll go first with uh, um, that they were actually doing a raffle or like a drawing to where you could go take a a tour of um, the camp where the original Friday 13th was shot. Uh, And it's, what is it? um, Or is it New Jersey Boy Scout Camp? Uh, No Bebosco. Great. That's a great name. No Bebosco. Uh, Rolls right up the tongue. Yeah. Um, Camp Blood's way easier to say. Uh, but you can actually go and, and take a tour and it's supposed to raise money for the, the Boy Scouts. And um, there's going to be, um, oh, who was it that was actually going to be there as well? Uh, the, the actress, the person from the first film. Uh, she lived the the final girl. What was her name? Oh, um, oh God. Um, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> redhead. Um, not, I think that's the one that's actually going to be doing like around. Yeah, right, I wanted so. to say Amy Steele, but Amy Steele's Ginny in part two. It's um. <laughs> oh, I picked. I, I brought up the wrong story that had all the information. No. Friday the first, no thirteenth. I'm a bad right. horror fan. No, you're not. Um, <sighs> we just talked about Friday thirteenth last episode. So yeah, I know, and that's, oh, what... that's the remake. That's not the right one. <laughs> Come on. There we go. Um, oh God, why can't I think of her name? Uh, Adrian King. Adrian King. That's yes. it. So she's going to be there too with some of these tours. And uh, the, the story I brought up isn't the same one that I sent to Steve earlier, but they had a whole list of do's and don'ts about like you know you can take photos of the area and you can you know ask questions. And it's like don't take things from the camp. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't, don't don't light things on fire. Yeah, don't dress up like a maniac with a, a hockey mask and machete and chase people. <laughs> and it was funny because you mentioned me. You're like, what? There's no rules about like leaving swimmers unattended. I'm like, no, that's a huge <laughs> oversight. But I like the idea. Like this seems like it would have been fun. That you know you enter a lottery system. You might go get, take a tour of because it's a, it's a private campsite, so you can't just go and go look at it because it's still run by the Boy Scouts. Um, I, I I think that's a cool idea. I think that's a nice way to kind of still lean into the history of the camp, but not like sensationalize it, you know? I, it, Cause I mean, it is a Boy Scout camp. I don't think you want to be like, and people got fake murdered here. You know, right. All the time. Well, you know, it's funny cause like I, I personally like, I, I like to see, you know, the sites that were in some of my favorite movies, like uh, back in the, like 2000. 
two or three. I can't remember. It might have actually been 2001. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I uh, went to New Jersey for a film festival that Kevin Smith was holding, and I went to the actual quick stop where Clerks was filmed. I went to um, the place where Chasing Amy's apartment building was, and I actually sat in a little doorway that uh, Holden and Banky sit in when they have their conversation about uh, um, him uh him dating Alyssa and uh, you know kind of toured all and I went to Jane's out and Bob's secret stash I went to kind of all the places that were in his movies um, and then uh, you know more recently uh, actually today my wife got us tickets to go to a convention that's going to be t- taking place for Dawn of the Dead in the actual mall where it was filmed so I'm a big proponent of getting to see that stuff in real life I, I like seeing that stuff um, and if I ever get back out to California, I'd like to go out to Pasadena and see the original house from Halloween. Uh, and I realize these, you know, those are all hot horror related except for the Kevin Smith thing, but there's something fun about going and getting to experience the places where your favorite movies were made. You didn't want to go to Canada and take the Tusk walking tour. I did. <laughs> they were not offering it oddly enough. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can go see where yoga hoses were filmed and you get mad every time. No, like, I, and if you guys are Ohio local, I recommend during the summer paying like eight bucks, go down to the, go down to Madison, Ohio and take the, the tour of the prison there. Cause um, there's actually, there's an actual tour of the history of the prison that they, they go over a lot of the Shawshank Redemption stuff there. Cause that's where it was filmed. And there's a separate tour that is just for the movie related stuff that it goes to the Shawshank Redemption, Air Force One, parts of that movie were filmed there. It, it doubled as the Russian prison from the beginning of the film. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so some of the fake gates are still out front, like they're un- they're not attached to the prison in any way, but you can still see it. it's it's weird. Um, and then the one one room was um, actually completely remodeled, like restored uh, for Air Force One, and they have these huge uh, portraits of uh, Lenin and Stalin inside still it's really weird to walk in and see that's funny all of that yeah but uh but yeah it's a really cool tour because like you go in and you go into the warden's office and then to, and you see the like the area where his desk was like it isn't the same desk but there's a hole in the wall that they cut out for the wall safe uh, because there wasn't there wasn't a wall safe there until they filmed the movie you know and so there's the still the hole there and then uh the door into the the warden's office or the main area there um, where when Tim Robbins in the film plays the record and the Kurgan breaks the glass in the door to go in and get him, uh, Clancy Brown, not the Kurgan, um, they told uh, they told him while filming, like, do what you want here. We're tearing this whole place down. So they broke the glass and never replaced it. Oh, wow. And so you go there and you see the tour and you see this door. There's no glass in it because the last time there's glass in it because the Kurgan punched it. That's you know, awesome. It's pretty cool, you know, so... And, you know, it, eight bucks was like the cost of the tour. It was like the best eight bucks I spent three hours walking around this prison and learning all about like the different things. So, yeah, I think that's cool. I think if you get the chance, I mean, just don't be a dick when you go to these places. Like, I'm sure like the people that own the house that Breaking Bad was filmed in are they're They're so tired of people throwing pizzas on their on the roof of their house. Um, which I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad. That was the thing that happened in one of the episodes. Where I Walt, haven't. I've yeah, heard of that, but people will go as a joke and just throw pizza at the house, and there be weird. the people that own the house are tired of it. So not don't, to mention don't, you're wasting pizza. You're wasting pizza. Yeah. So so I think that's cool. We can go to the camp, the Friday Thirteenth camp. Um, so the other Friday Thirteenth related story, and this one this this has actually been around for three years, and I didn't we didn't know about it till recent. Um, there's a lake up. Is it, is it Crystal Lake? I think it's actually called Crystal Lake. Yeah. In, yeah. In um, Crosby, Minnesota, where someone decided that they're going to take, they made a Jason figure and just sank him to the bottom of the lake and chained him up down there for any people that are diving to come across. And that's the greatest idea ever. 
I want to meet this person and shake their hand because it's it's absolutely genius. And when they show the photos of like, oh, this is what it looked like when they first put it down there, and this is what it looks like now, it looks way better now that it's weathered. <laughs> like it looks like film quality ready. And like, you know, if you if I was swimming down there and saw that, I I, I would have to change my pants. Yeah. So I thought that was great. I, uh, the the link that you go to to make a joke that you just know there may be some person there that has no affili- that they don't know what they're getting themselves into <laughs> like they maybe they just want to dive in this lake because it's a nice nice lake to go diving in and then they go and they see this maybe they've never seen a Friday the 13th movie before and they find this how do you not just die how do you just not just immediately die when you just like you know so I, I think that's great I, I appreciate it um, and I guess they, 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 they tend to it every so often so it doesn't completely fall apart so I like nice. that too so <laughs> So yeah, I think that's great. So yeah, if you're ever diving in Crystal Lake in uh, Minnesota, watch out. There's a Jason there. So there's your Friday Thirteenth related news, which I thought was appropriate because we talked about the last uh, last episode. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for news. Um, yeah, uh, who'd have thought? Talk about Black Panther and Friday Thirteenth, we would go a little long. So yeah, let's now let's go talk about some other stuff. And now for our feature presentation. Uh, Wizard World Cleveland happened our, uh, this past weekend, and hopefully you guys went if you're in the area. Um, or maybe maybe you didn't. I don't know. I feel like people are divided about going to these kind of cons. Uh, I I go. like This would be my third year going to it in a row. Um, I bought a three-day pass. Uh, I don't know if the three-day pass is the value that it once was to me because mm-hmm. – you walk, you go in the convention center. It's nothing against the convention center. And I feel like every year they try to find ways to kind of smoke and mirrors their way into showing like, oh, this is kind of a lot of stuff. And it's like, wait, this seems less than the year before and right. less than the year before. Um, but I don't know. For um, for what it is, uh, I mean, I know you go to other cons. I know you've been to, like you you said you went to Mid-Ohio before it got bought out by Wizard World. Right. I'd, I'd been to one before. What what do you what's your take on this this experience, which is more of the the um, franchised more comic convention because they they travel the country, yeah, you know, so that it was just different than most cons where they have their one con a year, like Awesome Cons in uh, DC, and that's it once a year, you know, they don't take Awesome Con across the country. Wizard World travels, yeah. Um, so I I've got some numbers written down, and I'll talk about this a little bit later uh, in the conversation, but you know. Um, if we're talking first blush uh, of this Wizard World, uh, I will say that it certainly, you're correct, it did feel um, sparsely, I shouldn't say sparsely populated, because there, there, there were a lot of vendors there, there were a lot of um, artists there, um, and writers, and um, craft, craft people, and um, you know there was a lot of that there, but when it came to their actual guests, it felt really light. Um you know, obviously, Stan Lee pulled out, uh, has pneumonia, understandable, he's 95. Um, Michael Rosenbaum was one of the guests, he pulled out as well, and I feel like there was one or two others that maybe I'm missing. Momoa stuff, Jason Momoa. Oh, Jason Momoa, yeah. He, he, so Aquaman left, and then the Flash and Cyborg took his place, 
which I made the joke that this is one of those times where I feel like that's not the kind of trade you'd want. Right. And nothing against, um, oh, uh, what's his name? Ezra Miller. He right. seems okay. You know, I still, if I have, if I have a preferred flash, it's the one from the TV series, Grant Gustin. Correct. Um, and then cyborg. Correct. That is the right answer. answer. That's the right answer, Paul. Uh, so I, I feel like that's, that's the one I'd prefer. Uh, and then the guy who plays cyborg, um, cannot remember his actual name off the top of my head, but it's like, I feel bad for him because it's like he was just covered in CG for the whole movie. So like how, you know, they, they didn't seem to be the presence that maybe a Momoa would be because of Game of Thrones, because of Aquaman. His movie's coming out for sure, you know. Yeah. Like so, and plus he just seems like more of a he seems like more of a charismatic presence because I've seen him on social media. Uh, I've seen him on Drunk History. Like he, the guy, the guy, you know, I it would have been good for Cleveland to get him. Yeah, you know, but but yeah, it just I don't know. It just felt a little weird because then also too. Uh, David Tennant and Billy Piper were there, but they're only there for Sunday because surprise, surprise, uh, Emerald City Comic Con was happening the same uh, weekend, which is in Seattle. And if you looked at any social media following anybody that isn't like this kind of stuff, they were all in Seattle. <laughs> like, yeah. And so Tennant and Piper were in Seattle until Sunday, and then they came to Cleveland and did one day. So it was like a little like, I don't know. I feel like just timing was bad, you know? Like, Yeah, and... I will say, you know, when I'm comparing it to when Wizard World took over uh, the Mid-Ohio Con, um, that was, I think, easily five years ago now at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, when we used to go to um, Mid-Ohio Con, it was certainly a more... Um, there was more of a focus on the comics aspect of it. Uh, but there were celebrity guests. Like, I believe, uh, you know, Adam West, Billy D. Williams, um, you know, folks of um, more traditional background in the sense that, like, uh, the names that you'd probably had come to expect at those shows, I, it was before, like, that fever pitch hit where it was, like, suddenly, you know, they're like, we can get, you know, Chris Hemsworth or, you know, yeah. Um, and that's no disrespect to those guys. I do not mean that in a negative way because I love, you know, the one time I went to Bed Ohio Con, Lou Ferrigno was there, which he's, he does Wizard World as well. He was yeah. at the Columbus one last year, but his the booth right beside him was like an adult film star. And it was just really bizarre because when there was no like traffic, he was definitely over in that corner talking it up with them. And it was just really weird to walk by and yeah. to see Lou Ferrigno just chatting up uh, some adult film stars. It just it was a little weird. Yeah, but I mean, the focus seemed to have changed from, you know, again, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but like when I met Robert Englund at Wizard World three years ago, you know, there were other people there like the gentleman who, I think it's Chris Pine's dad, actually, the guy from Chips. Um, or maybe it's somebody else from Chips, I'm not sure, but um, there was um, Henry Winkler, there was... Uh, it, it, they weren't the normal Comic-Con type guests mm -hmm. in the sense that uh, they were celebrities, but they weren't the, you know, they hadn't been in either like a sci-fi show or a, a comic book movie or something that had a built-in audience for it. So they were trying to broaden their, you know... Um, broaden the audience which there's nothing wrong with that but i do feel like when they started doing that the focus on the thing that started comic-con comics actually went away um yeah. and when i look at 
you know, this past Wizard World, there was like a couple of, and I'm not talking about like small time creators, small press creators. I'm talking about like actual vendors selling comic books. There wasn't much there. I, I, if I recall, there was like two or three. Yeah. You know, like, and even like, I know you stopped at the Gym City stand and they they had like trades but they didn't have like a lot of individual issues right and there was a couple places that had like just boxes with individual issues and it wasn't much like it felt like to me and i made the joke it just felt like it was just like all these funko pops like every time i turn around i was like seven different funko pops and yeah i get it that's the flavor of the month year decade i don't know they're, they're, they're every there's more pops every time it, there's always more pops and i think that they'll never stop. I think that, uh, that once you once you pop, you can't stop. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, they should use that as their their moniker. But uh, <laughs> I feel like that was like it's just it's that um, at least at least this time there wasn't as many mystery box vendors. I feel like last year there was like so many people that were like, "Give me ten bucks and I'll give you a box of shit or amazing stuff you don't know." Right. You know, there was only a couple of them. It just it. I don't know. It, it like there wasn't like a true artist row like there was before where you had some of the bigger name talents by themselves like you had like we you know we met a couple people while we were there that are like legitimately known like james abar was there which i thought was great because it's like i again he's just he's just um a crusty old man and i love it like he's there selling his stuff but it's like if you didn't know who he was you wouldn't know to go to his table right you know like and he and the guy's responsible for hot topic existing probably that's you know <laughs> with creating the crow you know like and um and the uh, was uh uh martin uh, martin england england i wanted to make sure i pronounced his last name right like you were uh, aware of his work and liked his work and and me not being the dc guy growing up i wasn't sure like i just saw awesome artwork and yeah. it's like this guy's like you know great and yeah. and and he just had a table despite good good on him, but it's like I think there should have been more celebration of that as a I don't know. It just it the folk you're right, the focus is not like these guys do good work so that way when you go see the movie, you're blown away by it. And you don't realize that these guys put in all their, their years drawing and doing storyboards and, and and like Martin, he worked with Peter David and Peter David's had stories that have went on to inspire a lot of the movies too and stuff. And it's like these guys do the work to make the things that you love and you don't know that you love them, like for why you love them the way you do. And they just I feel like there should have been like almost like in Janet Silent Bob where there's a big flashing arrow. Hey kids, it's Mark Hamill. Right. Sh- there should have been something like for me, like I know some of the stuff, but I don't know everything. If you would have let me know ahead of time, like and you, they have the little profiles and they're like, but who reads all that stuff? Like make it known why you're there. Like, yeah, like I think more people would be more excited if they're like, crap, this guy did this, you know, like. You know, and it's interesting that you say that as well, because the year that I went and uh, I did my photo op with Robert Englund, um, and not to be confused with Martin Englund, um, <laughs> but uh, the year that I went, um, while I was walking around, uh, I ran across John Russo. Now, for those of you who don't know who John Russo is, is he is... Um, one of the guys who was behind the original Night of the Living Dead. Um, he was uh, part of, uh, I believe it was Latent Image, which was George Romero's company before they, uh, when they made commercials before they made films. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had split the rights to... Romero could make a, a, um, a sequel to Night of the Living Dead, and he could also make a sequel. Um, but they couldn't... I don't remember exactly what the details were, but long story short is, is he was he was one of the people behind Return of the Living Dead, 
And he wasn't listed on the guest list. I think he bought a table. Um, but uh, I went there, or I, I saw him stand there. I'm like, I didn't know you were going to be here. And I bought a poster from him. I bought some. He was selling actual dirt from the graveyard where Night of the Living Dead was <laughs> filmed. Um, and uh, um, he was a real cool guy to talk to um, and just get a little piece of interesting history about that. But like, he wasn't really like... I don't even know that they had announced him as a guest. I didn't know he was going to be there. Um, and it was just sort of weird that he was m- stuck in between, like, he should have had a booth over where, like, the, the other, you know, celebrities were or whatever. Um, I was just surprised. Like, The, that Walking, the, Dead gets, the Walking Dead yeah. gets a big push, right? Like, because I know, and I mean to cut you off, like, uh, the, was it two years ago? They had, like, one of the guys who, who does artwork for The Walking Dead, not like one of the main guys, but still recognizable. He had, like, three or four tables in the Arch Row, right by Neil Adams, and it was a huge display. And it's like, that's great. And his work was great. Uh, but you, you mentioned, you know, it's like, The Walking Dead wouldn't exist without, like, I don't yeah. know. Like, that's, I guess, I'm not trying to be, like, you know, <laughs> old codger guy but it's like it's just there there is value here that people may not realize and there's not a lot of effort taken to show that value and that's that's frustrating to me like i because i feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities on my part that i wouldn't even know to know unless but it's like i don't know it's it i feel like i probably would be more appreciative and probably be more awestruck if I understood, like I, here's my admission when we went to Wizard World a couple years ago with Neil Adams, I didn't realize who Neil Adams was. Again, he's big time in comics, right? DC. Like, and that's tells you how blindsided I was. Like, I mean, he's done Marvel work, but the majority of it's DC. Like to to your left is the havoc print that I have him signed because he's like, which one? I'm like X-Men because I don't know the rest of these, you know, like, I didn't want to be like, I guess I'll have a green arrow. I mean, I, I know it now, but you know, it's like, so, I didn't realize that this guy, it, it, it was a big deal. He was a much bigger deal than I realized. And it's mm-hmm. like, and I feel like that should be more appreciated, you know, and, and, and moving away from the comic side of things, I think you lose a lot of, of the, the crew, the, the people that are responsible for the comics to begin with. And I feel like people are now just celebrating the end product of comics more so than the comics themselves, which right. maybe that's just my perspective. Maybe, you know, well, I feel like <sighs> wizard world is, chasing the celebrity and sort of forgetting everything else in the process. Um, if I can talk a little bit about it, somebody who, and I haven't actually at um, Wizard World Cleveland just because the prices are so high now for table space, but I had exhibited at um, Wizard World in Columbus a few years ago. Um, my Myself and my partner, Ryan, we had done uh, Mid-Ohio Con, I think, two or three times, and then we did it the first year that it became Wizard World. And there was definitely a sense of change when it became that. Um, the focus certainly shifted. But also, you know, the guys who are in Artist Alley, the ones that are, you know, trying to, you know, make some money, you know, a lot of them are just trying to break even because they're yeah. paying for, you know, their table space, their hotel, food for the weekend. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I feel like they're just sort of shoved over in the corner, um, you know, and there's no sort of rhyme or reason to how people are placed. Um, I remember the one year Ryan and I were pretty excited just because we were like two tables away. This was at Columbus from, um, I believe it was, uh, 
Bill Sienkiewicz. And if you know who Bill Sienkiewicz is, he's like a huge artist. Um, and we're like, why are we near him? Like, <laughs> what? like, no disrespect to ourselves, but like, why are we near him? He's a god and we're like, you know, peasants. Um, and it was just sort of weird that, you know, you know, and I guess it does benefit the smaller guys too when they do that. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more focus put onto an actual artist alley because it also felt very, again, it, it just, it, it didn't feel organized in that sense. No. And I don't know why the Cleveland one in particular, and I guess maybe they did this, they did this at Columbus last year too, where they put all the, the, the celebrity people in the middle, which in, in years past they were in the back, which I don't know if you're if you're interested in seeing you know Bill Shatner and you walk by you're going to walk by his table back there you're going to walk by Brett Spiner you're going to go to the back where everybody is and you're going to pass all the vendors and the tables to get there here it was more again isolated not isolated but it was like centralized in the middle and it's like and then there was vendors in the back and then there was and the one far corner was the cosplay corner like as in people that do cosplay not just like go and dress up it was more like, that'd be weird like make your own costume right now um <laughs> it was like the cosplayers all had like their own corner which was good because that's a good resource to have them all together but it was almost like an afterthought and that was a bummer like i just i don't know i guess if i was laying out that kind of thing i don't know what i would do i at least this year they didn't do like the human zoo thing that they did last year with was where they had like the kind of like little like um small tables with no walls and they had all the celebrities in the middle where it was like everybody was just walking by staring at all of them <laughs> it was weird it was like you know i just i i enjoy the experience uh of seeing all the creative stuff like we were there uh a uh, friend of show uh and guest of show jeff jeff ritchie was there with his his table killing it he has awesome stuff so it was good to see him there and his element and talking to people and selling his prints and his you know his dwight schrutz like that was great um and, and talking to people, and I like that part of it. I like the community kind of like feel to it because there are generally most of the people selling things want to support each other because, you know, if someone's looking at their table, then you might look to the right and see something else. I know I've bought things adjacent because I thought they were on the same table and realized that they were not. Yes. So I would support another artist and be like, well, that works too, you know, so that I've done that. Um, so I like that part of it. I like the costumes. Um, the creativity of the costumes, and I'm going to give myself a pat on the back and my wife a pat on the back. Um, this, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, you guys had really cool costumes. Uh, we had fun. Yeah. Um, I, I know the past couple of years I dressed up as uh, Dennis Nedry because I had one idea once for Halloween costume and people liked it a lot. Like, oh, overweight guy, Rain Slicker. Perfect combination of ideas right there. So, And buy a shaving cream can with dinosaurs in it. People love it. So, um, like I said at the beginning of the show uh, two weeks ago, I, Steve was here and I was trying to say tell him that I was, I was going to convince my wife to dress up because she's never dressed up before for a thing like this. So we went as, I went as Professor Chaos from South Park, which is Butters, and I convinced her to dress up as the Coon, which is Eric Cartman. And even though I sweated like six million gallons walking around with that uh, headpiece I made, I had a lot of fun walking around like an idiot wearing a cape and oven mitts and having a good old time. And there's something about making people laugh because they, they appreciate what you do. And I really enjoyed that. And my wife, people really, really, really responded to the coon yeah. like, really well. Um, so she that got an awkward hug from somebody. <laughs> oh, that was so, it was weird. <laughs> it, this guy walked up. He's like, I just love you. And he goes to, he goes to hug mm. her, a woman that he does not know. And she was just like, ah. and it became like an, like an uncomfortable pat on the shoulders. It was like, you know, I'm wearing oven mitts and a foam helmet 
you know, and boots covered in duct tape. I'm not a threatening figure, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's just, so that was weird. Uh, but uh, overall though, that was fun. I like, I like, I like dressing up like that. Um, I don't know. It was fun. I never, I, I never like all of the costumes that I had have always been like, well, you know, I could buy a coat. I've never actually made a helmet before. That was fun. Yeah. Um, challenging. I, I, I love creating. I hate the process of creating. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I, lo- I, I, I love being creative. I hate doing it. <laughs> uh, I'm the reverse. I love making my comic. And then when it's done, I'm like, I, I hate the actual like work that it's done, but it's very satisfying doing it. Oh. So I'll be on a very big high while I'm doing it. And then when I'm done, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm awful. I'm just going to go over here and cry for four hours. Well, I mean, I... I guess I, I like I like the process of creating. I like problem solving, but there's times where I'm just like, God damn it! I still need to go to the store and buy more things. So that was very frustrating. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was fun. Like I like that part of it. Um. I like knowing that I now have a Halloween costume for like the next three Halloweens because that's what's going <laughs> to. <laughs> um. But no, it, it was cool and, and talking to some people. Um. And I just uh, just to mention like uh, you know uh, Martin uh, Eglin that that was awesome to meet him I bought some stuff off of him Sean Koss uh, of uh, um, at any means necessary is his clothing line and Sinai and Happiness really cool to talk to um, he drew a really wonderfully offensive drawing for my wife I'll have to show it to you after the show it's oh, yeah. really really offensive uh, he, he, <laughs> he he's great uh, so it's good to, you know to support him and and, and talk to him um, and then I don't know it was, there was just some good stuff there. Uh, I also, here's a question just uh, because you guys have had tables before and you, you have tried selling your wares. Um, (laughs) you saw some tables there with some questionable content, not, not in terms of like not safe for work, but as in like level of quality, how much do you think they spent to get a table there? Uh, I think tables were between three and three fifty for the artist alley tables. Okay. Do you think that these people, I don't know, like some of the stuff I saw, there was some really, really good work there. And then there was some work that wasn't good at all. And I, it could be a matter of opinion. And but by opinion, I, there was just some really, you could tell people like, maybe this is their first show or maybe this is their first time waiting into this. This seems like a really big stage to wait in to try to sell this stuff the first time. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, I mean, I can say this, you know, when it comes to, um, the conventions there is sort of a um i don't want to say a line in the sand but there there's certainly um you know okay so a you're all equal in the sense that everybody is pretty much paying the same fee so it doesn't matter if you're talented or not <laughs> you could be like i'm gonna go and uh do you know hand turkeys all weekend and sell them you know as long as you pay your 350 bucks they don't care i would love that like personalized hand turkeys right it's like, it's like oh, did you want my hand or your hand that's fine ten dollars i'll draw a hand turkey for you so in that sense they're all equal that's a great idea um <laughs> it's like oh this one this one's red this one's an angry hand turkey oh this one has eyes <laughs> Let's do different heroes and villains as hand turkeys. I, I'm sure it's coming to a convention soon. I'm, I'm sure I'll end up buying one next year. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, on that same token, um, there's a lot of theft going on in the industry right now. A lot of times uh, there will be uh, people, you'll often see stories where it's like, oh, so-and-so was at a show and, you know, was selling prints by claiming their, their own and their 
clearly, you know, works by other people. Um, so you'll see a lot of that. Um, you'll see a lot of Photoshoppy type stuff where they just grabbed an image and printed it and said, hey, this was mine. Um, but at the same time, you'll also get, and and I'll never, you know, disparage anyone because I'm still, I still feel like I'm at this level, but like, you know, my first show, I'm sure, you know, I know what I put out and I know that it wasn't nearly the quality of a lot of the people around me. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't disparage anybody for that, but at the same time, it can be a tough lesson. It can be also a tough sit, like... I remember uh, the first piece that I sold at a convention, like I felt like a million bucks. So it, it is a, 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 a boost to the, your self-esteem. Uh, at the same time, though, <sighs> it, it could be a crapshoot walking down Artist Alley. And I feel the pain from both sides. I have, you know, dealt with um, the over eager person who wants to sell you and I get that they're excited and they want to draw you into their table. I personally that approach doesn't work for me in the sense that I am I realize that I'm on a podcast and I I you know I'm comfortable talking to you. And you're making that podcast money right now. I know. <laughs> but if you put me in a social situation ch- chances are I'm probably going to be quiet. Um I, I I don't react well to somebody being like, Hey, come over here and talk to me and you know, and I'm like, okay. I don't like the hard sell because I worked over ten years in retail and I had to do the hard sell at times. Yeah. I I'm just not good with it anymore because I know what I had to do and I don't like being talked like that. You know, and I feel bad. Yeah. Because they're trying to make their money, but it's just like like what was the one table was like, Are you a reader? I would have been like, I don't know words and like walk away. Right. Like, like do you like comics? Ziggy, like I don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'd be like, Kathy's my jam. Can we talk? Like, you know, and, and sometimes I'll, uh, I'll, I try not to when I'm on the other side of the table if I'm selling stuff. I try not to direct people, but sometimes it is tough because a lot of times I'll have like four signs up that'll say like prints ten dollars, or I'll have a special going on that's like two for ten or whatever. And there could be signs all around me, and someone will walk up and be like, "How much is this?" And I'll be like. <laughs> the gigantic sign didn't tip you off. Um, but I, at the same time, I try not to direct people and be like, Hey, $10. Like yeah. it's a fine line and it can be tough. So you'll see a lot of that in, in, um, in the artist alley as well. Um, and it's just people trying to make their money. Um, and I, you know, it's easy for me to say because I'm one of the people that it would benefit. But like, if you guys go to a convention, I, I beg you, please go spend some time in Artist Alley. You're gonna meet cool people. You're gonna meet guys who are trying to, you know, either get their star or make their living making artwork. And there's a lot of great stuff going on there. And you know, maybe you're gonna go spend $150 on you know your photo op uh, and dinner with the Green Ranger or whatever. <laughs> Um, and I, I say that knowing that I spent a whopping amount of money to meet Mark Hamill at Celebration last year. But so. did you have dinner with him? I did well? not. Oh, no. so like, I just like the idea. I the ate green... dinner with a, a, a you know a Mark action uh, Mark Hamill action figure. And took pictures, but I like I like the idea of the Green Rangers just like, hey guys, uh, eighty dollars for a photo, one hundred fifty have dinner with me, <laughs> and you're buying dinner for me. Okay, Green Ranger, let's go. You know. But you know. I, Please. Go, go, hobo ranger. <laughs> but as, as much of it as it can be tough sometimes to wake 
to go through Artist Alley, um, whether it be, you know, not wanting to give somebody an impression of wanting to buy something that you may not be interested in or um, being uncomfortable when they do try to give you that hard sell. You're going to meet a lot of cool people there and you're also going to see some really amazing artwork. So as much as I can criticize Artist Alley, I can also say the benefits of it are just as cool. So, so um, you were there for Saturday and I, 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 wa- I wandered around behind you sweating in my outfit and as you looked at things and because um, I didn't know what I was doing because <laughs> like when you're dressed up in a costume you really don't have a, you don't really have a location because it's like you're not gonna be like you know what I'm gonna go buy stuff and try to carry it around with me because that doesn't really work out very well well I kept like I'm like are you sure you don't want to look at something you're like no I'll just follow you and I'm like okay. I felt bad about it, but it's like I don't know I just I you know and then like at one point you're like are those oven bits hot because like <laughs> You're like, I've only had oven mitts on, like for like a minute at a time. Do they get hot? And I'm like, answer is yes, they do. Like I just, they're I just, just like every other glove mitt. you've ever yeah. worn. <laughs> yeah, except you can't point in them. You can't point with oven mitts on. But uh, no, I, so Sunday I went down for like a second because I had the, the pass and um and and my wife had gotten um a sketch or a colored sketch by Tom Cook, who is another one of those things where it's like I just didn't know. Like he, this guy is involved. He did a lot of work with filmation, like you know, Master Universe, like Scooby Doo. Like he did work with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like one of the animated shorts after the film came out. So this guy is like, you know, he's created a lot of my childhood. I didn't, or influenced a lot of the childhood I didn't know. So I feel like there should be more presence given to that too. But like I was down to pick up like something he was working on for my wife. So I, I spent like another hour on Sunday just wandering around aimlessly because I, <laughs> I was like, well, because I went down there because. I, you saw like we bought the sketch and he's like yeah, give me an hour i go back sunday he's like oh give me 15 minutes i'm like okay <laughs> you, you win this time tom cook uh so i, I wandered around i spent more money because like because it's just almost like vegas where it's like well i get yeah i'm here i get sure like so i spent more money but i was expecting the energy level to be a lot lower on sunday because i feel like saturday is like the big yeah the big big push and I was talking to Jeff, and I was like, how was it this morning? He was like, because at 9.30, the VIPs came in because the doors opened at 10. He was like, it was a Hoovian rush because like since doc, like since um uh, David Tennant was going to be there, all the Doctor Who people showed up on Sunday as opposed to the rest of the weekend. And they they, they make up a big crowd of people. Like, oh, I so imagine. It was just a bunch of Hoovians running around. <laughs> so it was weird to seeing like everybody like blue. Like it was, but seeing attendant there looking tired because I'm guessing he flew in from Seattle. He was wearing a striped sweater, very Freddie like. It was, I was like, I was worried that he didn't wear like a purple outfit. I was worried that he was going to talk to me and then I would not be able to control myself. Um, <laughs> uh, and then John Barrowman, I don't think that man sleeps, was also talking to everybody too. So that was cool. But it was like, I was down there for an hour. As I was walking out, I ran to a friend of mine. He's like, You leaving? And I'm like, Yeah. I'm kind of done. Like, it, was just like, it was just like, how much, how much walking around in a square can you do and just buying and, and talking yourself out of things? I talked to myself out of so many things and I still bought a lot. I know you were debating about some stuff and you actually got out relatively inexpensive. Yeah, I bought, uh, I bought some comics. I bought some from some folks in, in uh, Artist Alley. Uh, and then I also bought a, because I, <laughs> the, the, you'd mentioned the uh, the one stand that had the the um, trade check paperbacks. I got a copy of uh, Jay Lee's version of the stand, uh, adapted from the Steve King Stephen King book. No, like pun intended or <clears throat> whatever. But uh, I picked that up. Um, I bought uh, some stickers. I bought a um, 
a Batman sticker from uh, our friend Jeff, and I bought uh, some horror stickers, which were really cool. Um, was, uh, three of them. One was for the popcorn, the movie, uh, which if any of you have seen that, it's a 90s film. Uh, there was a sticker for Pizza the Hut. Uh, you got to get Pizza the Hut. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the last one was uh, Sharpan Joe, which is a sticker uh, version of the knockoff uh, Freddy Krueger uh, toy that was out at some point in the 90s, I think, called Sharpan Joe. I like that that was a toy knockoff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's funny. So, yeah, I bought, a, I bought a number of things that I, I don't know. I like... <laughs> Uh, there, there will be a story on another show I do. Listen to that. They'll come uh, come tomorrow on Strange Highways. If we hear another a bit of the story of Wizard World that is very specific to Strange Highways. I don't want to don't want to ruin it here and step on the lead. But yeah, I just I know it was real. It was real easy to turn around and be like, yeah, I could do that. And then you realize, well, like, how much money did I spend? You know, like I got those uh, Eglin uh, drawings. Like he did a, a badass dread that I bought yeah. uh, for a friend of mine and his man thing that I not, I own that I'm going to love forever. And I, I'll put it up on the page. It's great, um, and I bought a really cool book that it's an alternative movie covers book that I'm, I'm hoping maybe I'll reach out to the gentleman that put it together. We could talk to him. Yeah, I show. actually, uh, I now am envious of that book. I wish I'd have seen it because I would have bought a copy. So Yeah, so anyway, we, we spent money. We walked around. Um, I sweated a lot. Oh, and then also here, this kind of is the, this is the way to end the story. Uh, we were coming back from the show, took an Uber, uh, from from Wizard World on Saturday, I was wearing my Professor Chaos outfit on the way out. Try to get out of this van on the way into our house. Steve's there to witness this. My cape gets stuck in the door of the van, and I I can't get out because like I ever <laughs> like like because the cape I had it I had magnets attached to hold the cape in place. It was actually actually a nice design that I kind of fumbled together to make it work and i'm just like what do i do this thing got caught in the like the the gears and i'm like my cape like like now i understand why in the incredibles why um uh what's her name uh, edna or whatever it was the designer no capes yeah now i understand why i got I, i'm a 39 year old overweight man like standing in cleveland with my cape stuck in a van and people were driving by, and I'm wearing like duct tape and stuff. You begin to question your life at that point, where you're just a fat guy in a cape stuck in a van, or stuck outside a van. I, yeah. I will say that uh, his solution on how to get your coat out of the van was pretty impressive. Yeah, because um, I, I took the cape off the top, and I went into my house to grab a pair of scissors, and I come back, and by the time I find the scissors, you guys are walking into the house, you and my wife, with a cape that's been melted, because he took a, a, a lighter and melted it out of the gears yeah he basically decided to use fire to get it out yeah. so there you go there's my story of my uh my one time flying too close to the sun with the cape so anyway anything else about wizard world that you wanted to so the only other thing that i wanted to mention was that uh and and this was kind of my takeaway was is that a i kind of feel like and again, if you go to Wizard World and have a great time, I don't mean to, you know, take away from that. But I feel like Cleveland deserves a better Comic Con. Um, <laughs> and when I look at other conventions and what they're priced at and charging for what you get, I feel like Wizard World is also overpriced. Um, so, for instance, my Saturday ticket. I had a 20% off code that I used, uh, that I was given by our friend uh, Jeff uh, of Fred Paints. Um, he had a special code that was like, hey, get 20% off if you put this code in. 
And I did. And my ticket after service charges, mind you, two service charges, one from Wizard World and one from the ticketing service, plus the price of the ticket, came to $53. Okay. Um, if I'm looking at comparison, uh, there's another show coming up called Steel City that actually our friend Jeff is going to be um, exhibiting at as well. And that's in, I believe, May or maybe April. It's, April. it's in April and it's in Pittsburgh. So Steel yeah, City. it's in yeah. Pittsburgh. So their their three-day pass was $35. Really? What was your th- three-day pass? Oh, let me look that up. Um, and I'm just going to give this out to you, because if, if you say, like, oh, it's the celebrities who drive the price up of a venue like that, these are just some of the people who are going to be at um, Steel City. And I, I didn't, you know, even look at the comic book side. I just looked at the people who are there as far as, like, guests. They've got Ian McDermott, who was the Emperor from Star Wars. They're going to have uh, Alice Cooper, uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> Which that might just be worth it to go to meet Gary Busey. Uh, I just want to be like Gary Busey. I don't need anything signed or autographed. Can you just say something really crazy to me? Thank you, uh, Barbara Eden, uh, William Cat. For some reason, I thought Barbara Eden was dead. No, so. she's <laughs> she's very much alive. Or her corpse will be at Steel City, whichever. Her nose just wiggles. That's it. <laughs> Michael Dorn. Um, Michael Dorn's going to be there. Yeah. Goddamn Wharf. Uh, okay. Terry Farrell, who was from she's Deep Dax. Space Nine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was also in Hellraiser Three. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Frank Whaley, who most people would know as uh, Brad from uh, Pulp Fiction. Look at the big brain on Brad. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and then uh, John Wesley Shipp, who was the 90s Flash and oh, is now on. Uh, I got to go to this. Yeah. God damn it, really? So their, their, their three day pass is sold out. It was $35. But if you went all three days and bought like just collectively all three days tickets, it would still only be $58. So oh. you had. Entrance to a convention for three days for the price that I paid to go to one. So here's my admission, uh, like as in like my confession. A, a three-day pass for Wizard World Cleveland, this is before service fees and everything. Um, oh, shoot. Was this for two of them? Just, wait. Okay. So I paid... So it's about 80 bucks total for three days per person. That doesn't include the service fees on top of everything. So I paid a total after a discount that I got from uh, Supergroup Hugs. I'm sorry, Jeff, I forgot to use yours. And, and Supergroup Hugs, I hope if, you know, if you're listening, I used your code. So thank you. Um, was, her table was great. I just, I love her art style. I just didn't, there was, I didn't, there was nothing, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, it's very, it's very girly and cutesy and I love it. It's just not mine, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like it was hard. I just I had a, I just didn't know what I'd buy. <laughs> like, so yeah. anyway, I, her stuff's great. Um, total after after um, reduction, I paid one hundred fifty four dollars for two three day passes, for us to walk around for her for two days, for me for three for two days and an hour. Yeah, and you know, yeah, that's it. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I just I feel like the. <sighs> The folks who are going to Wizard World, and I'm saying this as somebody who is sitting there trying to sell his wares, not at Wizard World, but at just shows in general. Like outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at a show like that, the guys who are already struggling because they paid high you know, table fees to get into Carter's Alley, you know, they're now also like, people are like, well, I spent $50 to come in here today, and I spent $100 to, you know, um, get, uh, you know, a picture taken with, you know, whoever. Um, you know, so they're already spending a lot of money mm-hmm. to have that experience, and it takes. Uh, you know, I don't. Say, I shouldn't say it takes away from the people in Artist Alley, but it certainly does. 
I think hurt their chances of making sales when people are like, I'm already in this for a couple hundred bucks, you know? Yeah. And I feel like people are immediately turned off by the prices anyway. So you're right. Like if you lower it, then there's more money coming into the convention overall and that makes a better experience. You know, that's, that's my thought. I mean, I could be wrong, but, but these independent cons like Steel City, I mean, they don't have to be beholden to like Wizard World there. I think the strength of Wizard World is that there are no name. Like, um, however, there's been rumblings I've been reading here and there that they aren't doing as well as they like to think. And maybe that's why the prices are what they are, you know, but, but if they, if they collapse, like then I know there's a Cleveland, you know, comic con they have in October at like the fairgrounds. I've not been there. That might be fine. I still feel like something downtown would be nice, you know, like something like, like something to hang your hat on. You know, I don't know. what. And I feel like we have, you know, Cleveland's the birthplace of Superman. Uh, also, two of the biggest writers working at comics right now are from Cleveland. And Howard the Duck had a movie that was filmed in Cleveland. <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn and Brian Bendis are both from Cleveland as well. Um, and uh, it's it's just surprising to me that uh, we haven't had you know uh, a more of a, a focus particularly for Cleveland to have a, a great convention. You know, I'm, I realize it's not going to be San Diego or New York, but Cleveland, I think deserves to have a bigger convention or yeah. better convention. So, so, all right, there you go. So what was the world? Some frustrating things. Will I be there next year? Probably. Will I be walking around sweating? Yes. I'll probably have a table there next year <laughs> and I'll deny everything. You're like, you're like, here's my Saturday slasher stuff or a hand turkey. It's <laughs> personalized hand turkey. You want to, you want a Superman hand turkey has a cape on it, you know, like, and they just draw little, little ears on the thumb. That's a Batman. There you go. I like it. That's, that's my idea. Sorry. That's Steve's idea. You can't take it. And if you have hands, we copyrighted hands. You can't do that. Anyway, all right, enough talk about that. Um, we got a game here in a second, but just real quick, if you guys have any thoughts, uh, opinions about uh, Wizard World, comic conventions, st- stuff like that, please let us know on our Facebook page. Uh, we also have a website. It's invasionofthepodcast.com. That goes to our blog. Uh, you'll see on the blog that I recently wrote about um, the 80s uh, film, Italian film, no surprise, surprise, called Evil Clutch that is amazingly, like, like stylistically it, it it wants to be evil dead the original evil dead so much and the movie's a bit of a mess but it's still interesting enough in the sense of what they tried to emulate so i, I wrote about it uh, i started to read it and then i realized i have to watch this movie before i can read it i just want to ask real quick yeah is clutch like referring to the clutch of a car <laughs> no no oh, okay no i know uh, i know my friend uh my friend rich made that joke about <laughs> that but no it's more like clutch like your clutches like you're being clutched you know oh. like the grip of something like the evil clutch you know and i'm making claw motions <laughs> in the in while we're recording but if you read the blog post you'll see there's an image where it shows like claw marks through the name and the color is a teal with a red and the, the font usage, it made me think of the XFL team, the um, Memphis Maniacs, because they're, I don't know, it's something about like, why why am I thinking of XFL football from 10 years ago because of this logo <laughs> choice? But anyway, I wrote about it. You guys can read about it. If you're interested, there's a link in the, the blog post to the full movie on YouTube, or you can just go to YouTube and watch it and then read my, my thoughts on it. If you like, if you love Evil Dead, the film, and, and you want to see someone take, like, take what visually may have worked for the film, but not make a good movie out of it. There you go. So anyway, um, also you can find us on uh, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Google music. Please find us there and rate and review us. That'd be wonderful. 
I'm going to give another shout out here to uh, to Algora of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. I mean, he he doesn't need me shouting him out because he's doing quite well with his, his stuff recently. He's been killing it. He does have his Road to the Infinity War series that he is offering for his Patreon listeners. I've been I've caught up. I didn't listen to his Black Panther talk because I feel like I'd listen to him talk about it and be like, well, I have nothing good to say now. So I'm sure it's wonderful. Uh, he's been watching them in order, except Black Panther because it was in theater. So. He is watching all the films when they were released up to Infinity War, um, one a week. And then, and then Infinity War said, screw you, we're coming out a week early, so let's yeah. go jack that up a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's great. He, he's really digging in, and, and these are movies that maybe I've not watched for a few years, just to hear him talking about the original Incredible Hulk, the original Thor. It's, it's, good, it's good, good stuff. So he has a Patreon, it's patreon.com slash twerp, as in T-W-O-R-P for Talk Without Rhythm. Go pay a dollar, listen to him talk about moral movies, it's awesome. Yeah, I actually just joined Patreon to support him, because uh, I was unaware of his podcast until Paul had introduced it to me when uh, he had his Fly uh, episode, uh, which I believe was October last year. Um, uh, yeah, it was midsummer last year. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and I got I got around to it later than that, because I, I actually just started listening to it uh, probably within the last couple months. But I hadn't been on Patreon, and uh, I jumped on to support it. Um, and I've thrown, you know, a uh, five dollar pledge, and you also get to pick one of the movies he t- he gets he's going to talk about. And I'll probably even mention it when uh, my episode airs, where he'll talk about the movie that I chose. And um, if you guys do get a chance, go support it. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it, he is much much more. Um well spoken and well thought out than than this uh, fly by night chicken shit outfit that we have here. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> correct. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, enough enough about uh, all of that. Let's just get to let's get to the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. So previously, this is a while ago, I did a game involving uh, mixtapes, what I call mixtapes, as in that there are five songs and they describe a character and you have to tell me who they are. And this is all DC characters, so this was this was tough for me. Not because I hate DC, because I, I, I've i warmed up to them over the past few years because of the, the, the CW shows, honestly. They've really got me excited for a lot of that stuff, right? And then reading some of the books as we've been doing the show has been great, too. Um, so this could be heroes or villains, male or female. All right. And so when I did the Marvel one, I really, really tried to use songs I knew. And so I did cheat a little bit with this where I'm just like, I, I can't, I, I couldn't think of stuff. So I started Googling different things to try to find songs. These may be songs that you don't know, but they're at least by bands that I know of. Like, okay. kind of. So, yeah, all right. So we'll start off with, um, let's see, where do we go here? I got 10 of them. Uh, all right. We'll do, the, we'll do this one. All right. First song is Space Cowboy by the Steve Miller Band. Good Day Sunshine, The Beatles, Fly by Sugar Ray, He's Got a Secret, The Bangles. That's I've never heard that song before, but I know The Bangles. Mm-mm. Jimmy Olsen's Blues, Spin Doctors. So who's the character? Is it Superman? It is. I was going to put Sunshine Superman at the end, but I was like, <laughs> I figured that might be by Donovan. I was, but I was like, that might be too much. All right. All right. So this next one um, we'll do. This is this is a. Uh, you know, I, I, do you want to know like gender or hero, villain? Or? Uh, we'll see how I do first. You know, okay. I mean, are there any songs about you know being orphaned, <laughs> <laughs> your parents being murdered in, no. a, in an alley? Um, okay. I, shoot, I realized this one alley wrote four songs down, so we'll do this one. I'm like, oops. Uh, Hazy Shade of Winter, Simon Garfunkel, Gar- Garfunkel, Snowbird by Anne Murray, All the right. Canadian songstress. 
Um, cold as ice, Foreigner, a long December counting crows. So I feel like there's a lot of different characters that this give for. Is it Captain Cold, Mr. Freeze? Mr. Freeze. I okay. forgot about Captain Cold. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was trying to think of something about heartbreak and ice, too, and I couldn't <laughs> find something, you know. Um, but yeah, it's Mr. Freeze. You're right. Um, okay. Um, my Own Worst Enemy by Lit. Welcome to My Nightmare, Alice Cooper. Mind Games, John Lennon. I Think I'm Paranoid, Garbage. And If I Only Had a Brain, The Wizard of Oz. Ooh, that last one threw me off. Um, wow, uh, I feel like I feel like it's a villain. Uh, can you verify or it is a villain? It is a villain. Okay, is is it the Joker? No, uh, it is a Batman villain. Uh, is it the Scarecrow? Scarecrow. Okay, figured the last one tip you off because if I only had the brain, was sung by the Scarecrow. Those of Oz. Yeah. But I was just like, my own worst enemy. Yeah, he does kind of make you freak out. And welcome to my nightmare and mind games. So yeah, that's that yeah. should have been a little bit more obvious to me. <laughs> I, you know, this is one of those ones where I was like, ah, I don't know. Um, so all right, hanging around the counting crows, counting crows, counting, counting crows. Um, <laughs> I'll be watching you. The police can't buy me love. The Beatles. There's a lot of Beatles songs that apply to a lot of this. Paint it black by the Rolling Stones, and Party Man by Prince. Oh, it's got to be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to put Bat Dance at the end, but I was just like, no, I'm going to use Party Man. All right. Um, all right, here's another one. Uh, Space Truckin' by Deep Purple. Midnight Rider, the Almond Brothers. Hook by Blues Traveler. And I wrote Blue Traveler as it's like one person. Like, John Popper's just sad by himself. Uh, Angry Again, Megadeth. Seek and Destroy, Metallica. Is it Aquaman? No. Um, uh, can is it hero villain? Uh, maybe it could be either. This this <laughs> one is uh, not always quite clear. All right, seeking to destroy Metallica. Uh, space trucking. Space trucking. Green Lantern. No. Because I, 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 uh, I mean, Hal Jordan at one point uh, almost destroyed the entire universe. It's true. Made it, he did. So that. that's. Um, Ooh, space trucking. See, I thought Hook would be the thing to give it away. But, See, uh, that's why I think I said Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, it's, it's Aquaman. Yeah, it's um, space. S- s- space Aquaman. I, I'm going to have to either ask for a hint or just give up. I don't know what else to give you as a hint other than Michael Bay may direct this as a film. We know we talked about this recently. Oh, we did? Yeah. I um, we my brain is now... Anything with Michael Bay, it usually just falls right out. So kind of like it looks like a, a blue colored version of Wolverine. Oh, it's Lobo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I figured the hook because he always has the chains with them. That's and, right. And, so all right. Um, all right. Next one. There here. wasn't a song with the word "bastitch" in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Next one. Uh, Whip it by Devo. Uh, Policy of Truth. Depeche Mode. Band of Gold. Fred of Pain, which you know the song if you heard, she's one hit wonder from the seventies. I had to see, again. I started wandering off uh, pretty far. Uh, Bulletproof by Larue, which I know that song. You know, you may not know that one. Uh, Miss Independent by Kelly Clarkson. Is it Wonder Woman? Yes, it is. There you go. Um, that one got. I, was, I started googling songs about strong women, and it gave me like, <laughs> like, and I was like, I don't. Okay, okay, sure, that sounds good. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, okay. Um, all right. Uh, okay, I'll give you a hint on this one because this one's a little weird. Uh, this one's a villain. Okay. And uh, and uh, this, 
My knowledge is very limited on this character, but I thought it'd be funny. Roar by Katy Perry. Born to be Wild, Steppenwolf. Cat Scratch Fever by Ted Nugent. Nature of the Beast, uh, which is Greg Sheffer, also really sung by Michael Bradley from Voyage of the Rock Aliens, um, <laughs> a.k.a. the song with Ch- Chubby Cougar. I don't know if you watched that movie yet or not. Um, and I, But I wrote Nature of the Beats. Like, what's wrong with me? It's Nature of the Beast. And then the last song is Kittens Got Claws by Whitesnake. I've never heard this song. That sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, I think I have heard that song. I had uh, I had some Whitesnake in my uh, tape deck in high school. Um, is it Catman? Is, is that a DC villain? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. No, it's it's a villain. It's a female villain. Is it Catwoman? No. Um. Trying to think. Kristen Wiig might be signed on to play this character. Oh, Cheetah. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, I was just like, oh, I need a Wonder Woman villain. That'd be cool. <laughs> like, um, I'm like, Catman? And you're like, no. And then I'm I, like, is it Catwoman? Cat yeah. All right. Um, clearly, my my knowledge of DC is just kind of like, sure, Cheetah sounds right. Okay. Um, what do we got here next? Okay. Um, Strange Magic, Smoke and Mirrors. Sorry, Strange Magic's by Yellow. Smoke and Mirrors uh, by Jamiroquai. The Grand Illusion by Styx. Nothing Up My Sleeve, Motorhead. And Putting on the Ritz by Taco. Uh, is that, um, oh God, the magician's name. Her name is uh, um, Zatanna? Yeah. I just wanted to put Putting on the Ritz because they, they wear top hats and, and <laughs> coats in the video. It's um, a good call. Yeah. All right, uh, we're almost done here. Uh, all right, l- l- two more. Uh, <laughs> Born on the Bayou, CCR, so Creedence Clearwater Revival. Digging in the Dirt by Peter Gabriel. Spanish Moss by Gordon Lightfoot. I've never heard that song, but I know Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, we Are the World, that was from USA for Africa in the 80s. All right. And Hungry Planet by The Birds, which I've never heard that song either. Ooh. Is it Vibe? Um, no, that's the, that's the flash guy. That's what he, yeah. that's, um, Cisco, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, born on the bayou, digging in the dirt, Spanish moss, of the world and hungry planet. The only character I can ever think of that I associate with the bayou is, is Gambit from Marvel. <laughs> so, um, it is not Gambit from Marvel. <laughs> uh, hero or villain? Um, could be. It's it's more hero, more hero. Um, hmm. Oh wait, if it's a hero, it's not Killer Croc. Um, because that was that was my next inclination. Uh, Alan Moore wrote this character. Oh, Swamp Thing. There you go. All right. <sighs> I thought, the bo- I thought the boral in the bayou would be like, oh, yeah, Swamp Thing. Yeah, I, that should have actually been a tip off. All right. So the last one, this one's good luck. Uh, Eight Days a Week by the Beatles. My Funny Valentine by uh, various that people. Fourth uh, of July, Mariah Carey. This is Halloween, which is Danny Elfman from Night Before Christmas. And it's the most wonderful time of the year, Andy Williams. Is it the Clock King? Not Clock King. Is it Harley Quinn? It's not Harley Quinn. Those are the two that popped into my head. Calendar Man? Calendar Man. There you go. 
just figured I just I was like trying to think. I was like, it'll be real easy to find songs about holidays. No. <laughs> you type in Google like famous holiday songs, it's all Christmas garbage. And it's like so Yeah, Calendar yeah. Man's one of those characters that like I wasn't really aware of until uh Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb's uh Long Halloween. He's really a great character in that, but I don't know that like I've read that many other Calendar Man stories that I could tell you that like would be like, Oh yeah, Calendar Man's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I know him from is uh, Batman Arkham City, because no, it's an Arkham Asylum. Either way, you find him. I think it's Arkham City. You you find him in the game, and if you if you actually talk to him on the actual certain physical holiday dates, like in like if it's like if you're playing on St. Patrick's Day, he'll say something different to you in the game, so you can actually move your internal clock, your PlayStation forward. And you can find him. He'll tell you different things. Like they oh, actually okay. made him. So, but it'd be one of those things that if you didn't know that, you'd be like, you're playing on Mother's Day, he'd say something to you specifically about Mother's Day. It'd be really weird. So I thought that was kind of cool. If they planned that out. So anyway, yeah. there you go. That's that's mixtapes. That's why people don't make mixtapes. I feel like if I was a hero or a villain, I wouldn't just have songs about me. I just have songs I like, but I don't think that's how you identify somebody. You know, right? So, yeah. So anyway, that, that's going to do it for for us this week. Next week, um, we're going to be talking about. Um, Duncan Jones's uh, Mute. It's the Netflix original film that was just put out recently. Steve has seen it already. I've not seen it. But I've seen Duncan Jones, the rest of his films. You've not seen those films. Yes. So this will be an interesting talk. So you guys can find Mute on uh, on Netflix. And then um, the week after that, I believe we're talking some Year of the Knockoff. Uh, we, we'll just, you know, We'll wait until next week to talk about what that is. We're excited. So we got some stuff coming up. So until until then, um, have a good week. Uh, be safe, I guess. And um, I don't know. I, I was going to say something related to Wizard World. Go pay $13 for a small sandwich and some chips. Yeah. <laughs> I got a big cookie that was $4, and it was not a big cookie. That's, that's my end note. Sorry. There you go. Perfect. Always been the big shot and everybody else around. I think I learned my lesson now. It's me who's falling down. My heart is hurting from the jealous state I'm in. Won't you give me a chance to start all over again? Cause that's the nature of the beast, keeping up the male persona. That's the nature of the beast. Keeping up my status quota Now the nature of the beast Wants to give love and affection Oh, the nature of the beast Doesn't wanna end up alone Thought my innocent face could hide My dark, elusive eyes But now I think I know I'm committing an emotional homicide Leaving you alone had to be the worst thing I could do Cause look at me now, running around like a fool Yeah, that's the nature of the beast, keeping up the male persona That's the nature of the beast, keeping up my status quota Now the nature of the beast wants to give love and affection Oh, the nature of the beast doesn't want to end up alone I know Don't want to be alone I 
by minute every second starts to cut The longer I wait I just get that more heated up I gotta get you back if it's the last thing that I do I'm changing a thing I just can't live without you Cause that's the nature of the beast Keeping up the male persona That's the nature of the beast Keeping up my status quo Now the nature of the beast Wants to give love and affection Oh, the nature of the beast Doesn't wanna end up alone That's the nature of the beast Keeping up the male persona The nature of the beast Keeping up my status quo Now the nature of the beast Wants to give love and affection Oh, the nature of the beast Doesn't want to end up alone No, no, no